three verses, if you will. This is the Lord speaking. And he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these, not necessarily in quality, but perhaps in quantity. Greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever, everyone say whatsoever, you shall ask in my name. Somebody speak his name. That will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 14. If ye shall... Oh my... Without boundary, without limitation, without prerequisite, without a border, without consideration of the person who asks it, through the fallibility of the mouth that speaks it, if you shall ask anything in my name. Without border, without prerequisite, without boundary, without consideration of my fallibility and my ineptness. If you'll ask anything in my name, he didn't put a qualification on it. Let God be true and every man a liar. I will do it. Somebody say it. He's going to do it. If I ask it in his name, he's going to do it. Come on, you ought to lift up your voices right now and say, Father, I know you're going to be glorified in the Son. If I ask anything in that name, you're going to do it. get out of the box but I just want to tell somebody stop thinking you're not good enough for God to answer your prayer you're never going to be good enough you're never going to be righteous enough he didn't ask you to be perfect he just said if you'll just ask in my name I'm going to do it because it wasn't predicated on you it was predicated Just, just be seated in Jesus' name because I don't know that. Yabashata yabo kasada daba yashata hiya turu boha. Yabo tarya bahasada yabahada daba. On behalf of all those who are unfamiliar with the biblical account of Abraham, let me just say that God made a covenant with Abraham and God promised Abraham and his wife Sarah a son. Even though Sarah was barren and was growing in age, it was God's plan that a nation would rise from them. 
But Sarah grew weary with waiting, and both she and Abraham considered their age. So together they decided to circumvent the voice of the Almighty. And they used Sarah's handmaiden in a bid to create what they thought they could not create. God had made a promise, but the promise of a son had grown cold, and it provoked Sarah to devise a plan to assist God's promise. She offers Hagar to Abraham. She thinks that this much younger woman in Abraham can have a son, and indeed she's right. However, it's an ill-conceived plot that results in a conception through disobedience. Ishmael is born. But Ishmael is not the promised son. Isaac was the promise. Isaac carries the inheritance and indeed the promise of God. We won't journey down that road of Abraham, Sarah, or their sons, but notice the one caught in the middle, Hagar. When Isaac is finally born, Sarah becomes jealous for his sake and she pushes Hagar out. Hagar is simply the handmaiden. She's also not so innocent. She's not an innocent bystander in the plot. She's agreed to have a child with Abraham, but now she's been pushed away, sent away. She'll find herself in a desert place. It's a place of death, no water or food or provision. And it's then that God will show himself alive to her. She knows it and she sees it. God sends an angel to show her a well of cool water, a stone's throw away. God provides for her and leads her. Hagar will then give God a name. Like so many of the powerful patriarchs, she will call him by a name. She's the only woman in the list, and yet she begins what will become almost a spiritual rite of passage to all of them. She names God according to this one thing that happened, one of his attributes, or how he is revealed to her. She calls him Jehovah Rohi, which means, you are the God who sees me. She said, and I quote, I have now seen the one who sees me. It's not his name, but it was a part of who he is. He sees me. He never left me. He never forsake me. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. His eye is on the sparrow. The eyes of the Lord, the Bible say, run to and fro throughout the whole earth, beholding Jehovah Rohi. He sees me. Out of the billions that have come and gone, God, El Rohi, attends unto my cry. The psalmist said that he is the ever-present help in trouble. It's his name. Hagar is not the only one. Many will come and call God a name. They will utter words, definitions, his attributes, his qualities, his character in attempt to declare him. The people of Israel were always after his name. They wanted to know him because they believed that to know his name was to know him. So at the core of their belief was their repeated cry, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Their prophets wrote these words. God's own declaration about it, even God said, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, my servant whom I have chosen. Is there a God before me formed? No, neither shall be there after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. It was God's monotheistic self-declaration that there is no one else besides him and no one like him. That's what he thought of himself. He said, I am the first and I am the last and beside me there is no God. He asked the question, is there a God beside me? Yea, I know not a God, I know not any. God said to the people, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else. None else. God did not give room for another. 
He was alone in his deity and he said on not a few occasions he is alone. But he did not stop declaring himself in the Old Testament. He went forward. Romans 3 says it is one God. 1 Corinthians 8 states it is none other but God one. James 2 said if you believe that there is one God you do well. The devils believe and tremble. And to all those biblical truths is this fact that this one God found his physical expression in Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1 tells us who is Jesus Christ. The image of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or power. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in all things he might have preeminence. It pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Jesus Christ constituted a full disclosure of the invisible God. That's why he said to Philip, Philip, when you see me, you have seen the Father. And not only is there one Lord and one faith and one baptism according to Ephesians chapter 4, but there is also only one name. And yet, when Hagar was pushed out and left to wonder by herself alone, alone with her son and having no home and no shelter, indeed no hope, God appeared and showed her a well of water. Hagar then looked up and gave God a name according to her situation. She said, he sees me. Jehovah Rohi was not really his name. It was only a part of who he was to her. And just so you know, what Hagar found in him was both true and enduring. He is still the God who sees all of us. That's a part of who he is. But that's not all he is. Ah, think with another. Jacob is going home to his second coming, this scorned brother, a couple of decades have passed, and Esau is waiting for him, and Jacob purposely pauses to meet with God because he cannot gauge the disposition of his brother who had been deceived. So Jacob enters into a prayer meeting when God shows up in the form of some angelic being, and the Bible says that Jacob wrestled all night with him. Jacob would not let go and he said as much, I will not let you go unless you give me a blessing. Jacob is not specific because frankly, he does not know what kind of blessing he needs. All he knows is that Esau is waiting on the other side. So God gives Jacob a name. God calls Jacob Israel. And Jacob looks back at this theophany and he asks, what is thy name? To which God says, and I quote, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? Why are you asking? No answer. God was not ready to reveal his name. The people wanted to know him because they believed that to know him in his fullness required a recognition of his name. And they knew that to experience him came by way of identification. And not only is the Bible full of these moments, but we too are identified by our names. Personalities and positions are all wrapped up in our name. Our names give recognition to our faces and our beings. When someone mentions your name, all who hear it also have an understanding of your strengths and your weaknesses. If you sit in a meeting, decide who's qualified, and when names are laid on the table, some are accepted and others are rejected. And why is that? 
Because the name is both the revelation of their character and the definition of their ability. If you have a need and you want to call someone to help you, any name won't work. You need to call or text someone who has the resources to fix the problem. You can call someone who is equipped and they'll come. You've got to call someone who is able or willing or dependable. All of our decisions are wrapped up in our name. All of our personhood is found in our name. But Israel did not know his name, though they longed to have a full understanding. They wanted God to reveal himself, and God did, but he did it progressively, a little at a time, a little at a time. That's why Isaiah could only write, for unto us a child is born, he's coming. Unto us a son is given, he's com- given, he's coming. The government's going to be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government, peace. There shall be no end. He's going to sit on the throne of David. It's a kingdom, he's going to order it. Hear me, Isaiah wrote, a child is coming. He's going to order the world. And wrapped up in that name, we don't know the name yet, is going to be one wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father the prince of peace we don't know it yet we only know what he has been so far so if you look at the scripture with me when god provided a lamb in the thicket for abraham on mount moriah abraham called god jehovah jireh the lord will provide it was a truth about god but not the all-encompassing truth it was part of god but not not all of god he was so much more and when god brought diseases to the egyptians moses said to the children of israel if we keep the lord's commandments none of these diseases will afflict us because god said i am the lord that heals you so moses called god jehovah rapha the lord is our healer And when the Lord made war against the Amalekites and saved his people and covered them like a fortress and the protection from the enemies, they called God Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is our banner. He covers us. They did not know his name. All they could do was call him by his most recent great moment and power. And when Gideon was addressed as the mighty man of valor even though he was full of fear hiding in a wine press attempting to thresh wheat from the wind no wind because of the Midianites they had caused the Midianites had caused such havoc among Israel so that all of them lived in fear Israel was impoverished by oppression panic stricken worry terrorized by day and night never really knowing when they would when they would come again and strip them of all of their land and possessions here pastor today it's one thing to be poor in money it's another thing to be poor in confidence take away courage and boldness and you have fear and doubt and anxiety depression fills the cavity left by an absence of assurance but in the middle of that chaos swirling in their lives Gideon found God to be a God of peace and the Bible says that Gideon built an altar and he called God by a brand new name he called God Jehovah Shalom the Lord is my peace Gideon did not even know that one day a man was going to stand on the bow of a boat and speak to the winds and the waves and say peace be still Gideon was just proclaiming the function and the attribute of a name yet to come and I'm getting ready today to call out that name 
David is dealing with seven older brothers. I know I'm going quick, but I got to tell you something. He had a father that despised him and rejected him. He had brothers that didn't believe in him and a king who wanted to destroy him. But David rose up one day and peered off into the break of a brand new day. And he wrote a melody in relation to all of his affliction. And he said, Jehovah Raha, the Lord is my shepherd. None of them knew his name. They wanted to know him. They wanted to call on him. But they were cast under the covenant of the former so they identified him by what he had done and how he had performed by his might and his power and even his tender hand they called him Yahweh El Elohim Elion Gibor El Alam Adonai Abba and so many others in fact Hebrew scholars decide that there are about 956 more names so I submit to you today when you call on that name something happens and you are invoking everything that has ever come before what they did not know you know today what they did not have you have it today think of this Jeremiah is prophesying to a wicked people he cannot compel them to return to God they have sunk into a pitiful sin, idols, and a debauchery. And Jeremiah is interceding for him. He is the weeping prophet. He's prayed for them time and again. His knees, the Bible says, are like camel's knees. He has spent the majority of his days on the ground, on the hard turf and stone, interceding. When he rises, he only preaches. But he just cannot turn them around. So he prophesies these words. He says, God is going to remove this wickedness, but there will be a remnant. There's going to be a small faction of people remaining. And the Lord will raise up a king from the branch of David, and he will be a righteous king. Jeremiah is prophesying now. There's coming a king who's going to save Judah and who will execute judgment and justice in the earth. And Jeremiah 23 and 6 says this, And this is his name whereby he shall be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Jeremiah called God a brand new name. He called him Jehovah Sidkenu. The Lord is our righteousness. I don't have time today. They called him Jehovah Shaman. The Lord is present. Why? Because he always was. He always is. He always shall be. You can't get anywhere where he's not. You can't arrive at a place where he didn't already trump you. He's already been there. They called him Jehovah Mekesh to get him because he is the God who sanctifies. They called him Jehovah Shehoboth. He is the Lord of hosts. But all they knew that he was greater than their assignments. They were looking for a time when his name would be revealed they were searching for a name which would encompass the whole they had parts of his wonder that's what Zechariah was prophesying and I quote from Zechariah and the Lord one day this is the day he shall be king over all the earth in that day there shall be one Lord and his name one and I've worked to get here we face Mary and Joseph. Spiritual darkness has covered the land and the earth. And there stands Joseph who pondered in his heart what he shall do about his yet-to-be bride who is with child. Joseph is wondering, how can I save her reputation? He thinks maybe he could send her somewhere so that no one would know what had happened. He experiences a divine visitation and God will say to him, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that 
which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. The name of Jesus literally means Jehovah has become our salvation. According to the scripture, Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being formed, found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And I've come here to just proclaim something. You don't have to remember all the attributes that attend to our eternal God. And you don't have to memorize all the positions that he has assumed throughout the ages of time. And I want to tell you, there's really no need. You can, but there's no need to write it down on paper or tape it to your wall because bound up in the name of Jesus is all the power and all the positions of who he has been since the inception of time. And in the day, there's going to come a king and you know his name. And when you speak his name, you're evoking a God that's there that's present that's your banner that's your victory that's your healer that's your restore when you say Jesus when you say Jesus you said everything when you say Jesus you're saying the one who is the wonderful the counselor the mighty God when you say Jesus you're saying the everlasting father when you say Jesus you're saying the prince of peace when you say Jesus you're saying the lily of the valley the bright and morning star when you say Jesus you're talking about the way maker and the one who saves and delivers Come on, just speak his name right now. Say it, Jesus. Say it, Jesus. Say it, Jesus. When you open up his name, you're opening up who he is. When you say his name, you're talking about who he is. You're not just saying a few words, not just a few letters. You're saying who he is. I don't know if you found this to be true, but this is what's happening in America today. Men are praying prayers in county squares in the public squares, in Washington, at state houses, at conventions. And when they end their prayer, they say, and we pray all these prayers in the name of the Lord. Problem is, they're falling short. You got to say what the name of the Lord is. You see, David, when he saw Goliath, he said to Goliath, You come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And all David could invoke was all the attributes and the positions that God had assumed before that day. David didn't know the name of Jesus, but when he came in the name of the Lord, he had power over one giant. But when you speak the name of Jesus, you got power over every demon in hell and all the giants and all the sickness and anything you ask in my name I will do it I gotta preach to the church today I hope you can speak his name if you wonder what kind of church this is it's a church of the name we believe in the name why because we have needs and we have help and we've got struggles and we gotta have the name Paul said it like this we have to keep his commandments 
Everybody say yes. yes. And if we do, he's going to return and without spot, unrebukable, we've got to be that way until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which in times past he will show. Who is he going to show himself? The Lord's going to show himself. Not just to us, but to the whole world that he is the blessed and only potentate. That he is the king of kings and lord of lords. Who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach with whom no man has seen. See the name that Zechariah and Hagar and all those who saw him as a singular fashion has become the king over all the earth. And his name ladies and gentlemen is Jesus. When you call on his name. You're calling on every attribute, known and unknown. In fact, when you call on his name, you're calling on the entity who is boundless and limitless. And sometimes I think we've got this issue that we're attributing his power according to our goodness. Now, I think that we have to live right. We have to pursue God. But many walk into this house and you don't pray and you don't worship because... You're thinking that your current position in your flesh will give pause to the God of glory because you don't believe in yourself. You doubt he'll do something for you. If you woke up in a bad mood and you did something this very day and one hour before you got in this church you said something wrong, you thought something wrong, you did something wrong. I want to tell you, he already knew that. If you say, Lord, forgive me, I want to go on. You don't have to spend much time, but you ought not pause and not speak his name because you think you're not worthy. I got a word for you. You're not worthy. You're never going to be good enough. You're, listen, his name is powerful. When you invoke that name, you're opening up something in the spirit world. You're drawing back the curtains of time. You got Hagar with you. You got Moses with you. You got Abraham with you. You got David with you. They only wish they knew what you know today. So I say this. He is the I am that I am. And all you have to do is speak his name. Sickness has to bow. Sickness has to bow. When you say Jesus. Whatsoever... Whatsoever you shall ask, whatever you ask, sorrow has to bend before the name. Addictions have to submit to the name. The devil trembles at the sound of the name, which is above every other name. The enemies of the people of God are subject to the name, Jesus. All he is and shall ever be is bound up in that name. And when I call his name, I may not even know what I need. All I know is that the resonant power of the limitless Savior is afforded to me when I cry out, Jesus! Like Bartimaeus sitting by the highway side begging, blind, inept. He's needing bread. But from that lowly, pitiful place, Bartimaeus cries out. The man who carries the stench of an unbathed individual 
who has nothing to offer anyone who barely hangs on to the lowest rung of the human chain, Bartimaeus. He is distressed and broken and wretched and weak. He is an embarrassment to those around him. For they told him to be quiet, but he cries out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Uh, I'm afraid that all the churches have become too stoic. And we walk in, we say a little prayer, a private thing, maybe not even praying at all. We just think that maybe by osmosis we'll become more spiritual. But I want to tell you, when you finally get desperate enough, you ought to cry out, Jesus. I don't know, but I was driving. I don't know what happened, but I was driving some time ago and something flashed in front of my car and I swerved. I don't know what it was. It was in the night and I didn't have time for a sweet hour of prayer, but I did have time to open up a window. I just cried out, Jesus. And when I did, the banner started covering me. And in a blink of time, the moment started covering me and the Lord of hosts came to my rescue. Hear me, when you don't know what to do and you don't have an answer and the doctors won't work and the medication won't work I gotta tell you who he is I gotta tell you who he is I don't I come just to proclaim his name Jesus Blind Bartimaeus said Jesus have mercy on me I want to say in the words of McGuire you had me at Jesus you didn't have to say anything more all you had to do was say Jesus I gotta tell the church something I'm gonna tell you who he is he is the Alpha and Omega. See, when you say Jesus, you're calling on the Alpha and Omega. He is the Almighty. When you say Jesus, He's the Almighty. He said that in Revelation 1 and 8, I am the Almighty. When you say Jesus, He is the arm of the Lord. He is the author and the finisher of our faith according to the book of Hebrews. He is the author of eternal salvation and the ancient of days when you say Jesus. He is the blessed and only potentate. He's the bread of life. He's the beginning and the ending. He's the bright and the morning star. When you say Jesus, you just said all of that. He's the captain of salvation according to the scripture. He's the chief shepherd, the consolation of Israel, the counselor, and the creator of all things. He is the day spring, the day star, the deliverer, and the door. So when you speak the name of Jesus, you got all those attributes, positions, and power afforded to you. All you've got to do is cry out, Jesus! He is the elect. Isaiah 9 and 6, he is the everlasting father. He's the faithful witness, the first and the last. He is the mediator between God and man. He is the Messiah, the only begotten son, our Passover, the prince of life, the prince of peace, and the prophet of all. He's God manifest in the flesh. He's the good shepherd, the governor, the great high priest. He's the great physician. He's the head of the church. He's the head of the body. He's your healer. He's the heir of all things. He is the head of salvation, the horn of salvation. He is the I am that I am. He is the image of the invisible God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He's the just one, Jehovah, the judge of Israel, the king of the saints, the king of the Jews, the king of the ages, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. And when you speak his name, everything opens up to you. Now watch it. Jesus said, go in all the world and be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. But the Father is not a name, the Son's not a name, and the Holy Ghost is not a name. He said, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. 
and when they left there, they knew exactly what he was saying because Peter baptized everyone in the name of Jesus. And Paul baptized everyone in the name of Jesus. And, and Philip baptized everybody in the name of Jesus. And all the disciples baptized everyone, baptized everyone in the name of Jesus because the name of Jesus is the authority. He is the headship of the Lord. I'll tell you why. Because he's the lawgiver. And he's the lamb. And he's the life. And he's our leader. And the Bible calls him the light of the world and the lion of Judah and the Lord of glory. He's the redeemer. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the rock. When you say Jesus, you're calling on the rock. And not just any rock, but the rock of David and the rose of Sharon and the Savior world. He's the son of the highest, the true light and the truth. Yeah. I got something for you. He's the word. He's the witness. He which was and which is and which is to come. He is the way maker. When you say Jesus, he is the way maker. Listen. He's the way maker. Pastor, when you say Jesus, you're talking to your keeper, your hope, your refuge in the storm. His way is perfect. When you say Jesus, you're talking power. Peter and John go to the temple at the, at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. They go to the temple at the hour of prayer. There's a man sitting there. He's lame from his mother's womb. Everybody knows him. They daily laid him at the temple. That's the only way he can make his living. And they stopped, and the lame man looked up to them. He's asking alms, and Peter said, look on us. And he looked up to Peter and John, expecting to receive something of them. Peter and John didn't have any money. They kind of turned their pockets out. Then they disclosed what they didn't have. Listen, I think it's time for us to disclose what we don't have. Stop acting like we have answers. You don't have an answer for anybody. You probably don't have an answer for yourself. I wish we'd all turn our pockets out and just say, we're not good enough or religious enough to heal anybody or restore anyone. I wish church members would stop being so pious and think we, have, we can just talk people through their problem. You can't talk people through addictions and sickness and alcoholism and marriage trouble. There's not enough talking to do. You have to turn your pockets and say, I don't even know what to do. Look, I got no answers. My pockets are empty. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, Peter said, I'm going to give you what I have. Get the checkbook out. Get the pill bottle out. Get the prescription out. Get the name of a good doctor. No, he didn't have anything. He said, I'll tell you what I have. See, the problem is we don't think that the name is a substance. But I'm going to tell you, his name is a substance. It's not just a name. It is the visible manifestation of the almighty God constituting all that's in the Father, which will ever shall be. I'm going to give you something in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. I'm going to give you something that the doctor can't give you. So I'm going to say to all of you, I got something to give you. In the name of Jesus.
Come on, somebody just shout back yes. Come on, yell yes. Clap your hands up to the Lord because we got somebody in the house and his name is Jesus. And Peter and John got in trouble for what they did. They got in trouble for what they did. Don't think you're not going to be afflicted and persecuted for the name of Jesus because in the last days, he said you'll be hated of all nations. Not because you go to church. Not because you speak in tongues. You'll be hated for my name's sake. You better know there's been a fight over the name for a long time. See, John started his gospel, which is not one of the synoptic gospels. He started a little bit different. In fact, John didn't start with the birth of Jesus Christ. He started with the origin. And he said, in the beginning was the word, logos, thought. And the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So from the inception of time, his name was known. But it was not known to the devil. And I'm convinced through the scripture that the first time that the devil ever knew the name was when he overheard Gabriel sending the message to Joseph. I'm going to give you the name. And they brought Peter and John. They put them before the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin was there and they were very angry. They were aggravated because they needed to refute these men. They considered them ignorant and unlearned. And they said on the morrow, Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and Alexander and as many as were the kindred of the high priest were gathered together to Jerusalem. And when they set them in the midst, they asked, put it up on the screen now, Acts 4. This is, how, this is what they ask. By what power? Or by what name? Verse 7. Have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if this day we be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, let me tell you how he is made whole. Be it known unto you unto all the people of Israel. That... By the name of Jesus. They're asking the question, how'd you do it? But they knew. It's not just a trick. So by what power or by what name did you do it? And Peter and John said, I want you to know how we did it. You might think that we could do this by ourselves. It wasn't us that did it. But by the name of Jesus, does this man stand before you whole? Hear me, the broken and the bound and the afflicted and the lame and the crushed in spirit and the wounded people. I'm going to tell you how you're going to be healed. I'm going to tell you how they're going to be healed. It's not going to be because we have a program or a nice building or an asphalt parking lot or because our singers are good or because our musicians have practice. I'm going to tell you why. It's going to be by the name of Jesus because through the name of Jesus we have the authority. Stand with me now and I'm going to end here. John chapter 16. 
Verse 23. Jesus said, and in that day, you'll ask me nothing. But this is kind of the bridge, however, or verily, verily, if you would, whatsoever you shall ask, the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. Uh Uh-oh. Now the next verse is for many in this room right now. But so far, to date, hitherto, you didn't ask anything. So far, you've been thinking, maybe something else will work. Oh, now, come on now. I'm feeling it, I'm feeling it. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. So far, you didn't ask. You didn't ask. You tried to get a little fancy. You, you, thought, you thought maybe somebody else should say it. I want to tell you, you got to start speaking the name even right now. Over every situation in your life, you ought to say, and Jesus said, ask. Ask, ask, ask. You shall receive that your joy may be full. Ask. Right now, ask. Where you're standing right now, you ought to ask. Where you're, where you're living right now, you ought to ask. You ought to say right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I speak the name of Jesus over my children. I speak the name of Jesus over my home. I speak the name of Jesus over my health. I speak the name of Jesus over my finances. I speak the name of Jesus over my job. I speak the name of Jesus over the church. I speak the name of Jesus over the city. I speak the name of Jesus over my affliction. I want to pull it all back right now. I'm pulling it all back. All that Abraham saw and had. All that Moses saw and had. It's mine right now. Because in that day, there's going to be a king. And his name shall be one. And his name shall be one. His name is greater than Muhammad. His name is greater than Joseph Smith. Confucius has nothing on him. Recite all the presidents. They are a speck in the annals of time. His name has been woven and constructed. There's no other name like the name of Jesus. God gave him a name. It's above every name. At the sound of that name, there's going to come a day that everything in heaven is going to bow. Everything in earth is going to bow. Every, every, everything under the earth is going to bow. Everything's going to bend. Everything's going to confess. People who don't believe him now, they're going to confess. People who denounce him right now, they're going to confess. And they're going to say, he is Lord. His name is Jesus to the glory of God the Father. That's the Bible. Some folks have asked me, well, why, do, why would you baptize in Jesus' name? Because that's how they baptized everyone in the Bible. Because I believe that Peter and John and James and Andrew Bartholomew, they understood what Jesus was saying when he said, go and baptize in my name. They understood. In fact, when, in fact, when, the, when the house of Cornelius 
was hearing the word and they began to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues in Acts chapter 10. The Bible says explicitly that Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. He did that. He did that. A father told me this story and I, I'm going to try to end here but maybe not. And one of the family members were sick and he, they called him and they said, well, what should we do? He said, well, what have you done already? They said, well, we've given all the medicine we can and the doctors have sent him home and we don't really know what to do. He got on the phone and he said, well, go in there and you pray. And they prayed and they came back to the phone and they said, nothing is happening. He said, well, get some oil and lay hands on him and put oil on, his, on, on, the, on, on the infection. And they did it and they, they came back and a couple hours later they said, no, nothing's happened. And he said, wait a second, how are you praying? We're praying. He says, well, we're praying to God. We're just praying that he would heal. He said, listen, I want you to explicitly, when you get in there, I want you to say what you're praying. I want you to say, in the name of Jesus. Like some of you think that might be a little magic trick or a little potion or a little, little recital. I'm not, ta- I'm not talking about a recital. I'm talking about invoking the name which is above every other name. I want to tell you, every time you feel a demonic spirit get on you, you say in the name of Jesus. Every time there's a sickness, you don't ever even pause and wait. You say in the name of Jesus. If you don't have any oil around, you just say in the name of Jesus. If something comes in your mind that you know is not right and try to dissuade you, you say in the name of Jesus. They went back in there and they, they all got around. They really didn't know what to do because they hadn't really prayed very much. See, they hadn't really prayed a whole lot. So they're doing it on the phone now. Now they've got the phone in the bedroom. And the father is t- talking to them. They, their dad is talking to them on the phone. And he said, just, just put me on speakerphone because I want to I hear what you're going to say. And they all got around the bed. And they didn't really even know how to pray. They didn't even know what to say. You know, people who don't pray, they don't, they don't have long prayers because they've never exercised that. They, have, they don't have a lot of words. They don't understand travail or intercession. I'm going to tell you right now, it's okay. As long as they're striving and as long as they use the name. You don't have to learn how to pray before you use the name. And they got around the bed and they put the phone up. And they got the oil this time again. And they all held hands and one of them got the oil. And they put the oil. And they all said... We pray in Jesus' name. And before the night was out, the testimony was that that loved one got up out of that bed and they made a full recovery. In a few weeks, they made a full recovery. But they got out. I'm going to tell you how they got up. By what power or by what name? It's the name of Jesus. If you want to know how it's happening, it's the name of Jesus. If you want to know how people are restored, it's the name of Jesus. Let me tell you what happens when you call that name. Let me tell you what happens when you call that name. The entire heavenly host, the angelic beings stand in attention. Let me tell you what happens when you call that name. 
fear has to flee. Brother Dean told the story of a father thought his daughter was on a was just was just out with her friends. He decided to get out of his house and walk down the road. He he just felt led to do it. There's a small gate and some trees. Little did he know that that a young man had kidnapped his daughter. Had her in that same yard. This is at the nighttime. He had tackled her. That, that, that man had tackled her. And the father did not know it. He don't even know why he's walking down the sidewalk in the middle of the night. He's walking down the sidewalk. He just feel, felt led to walk on the sidewalk. And under his breath, he's, he's praying a little prayer. He doesn't really know why. But in the middle of that yard, covered up by some trees and a, and a, and a, and a, and a black iron fence. She's on the ground now fighting for her life. And that... That, that molester has his hand over her mouth and he has hit her and he is about to ravage her and before he can do as much his hand slips off of her mouth she's got one moment to speak one word and she said Jesus her dad is walking by not only does he recognize the name but he hears the sound and he recognizes the voice of his daughter and he hops over that fence brushes back the trees and runs and tackles the man that's on top of his daughter who would have thought there's only one chance you got only one name you got if you had only one word to call You don't say somebody. You don't say your friend. You don't call on your dad. You don't say the police. You say Jesus. Come on. You're in trouble. You're being tackled. Your life is a mess. He's got his hand over your mouth. He's choking you out. You've got one dime. You've got one name. Somebody cried out. Jesus. Jesus over every marriage trouble Jesus over leukemia Jesus over fear Jesus over discouragement. Jesus through battle. Jesus through sickness. Just right now, wherever you are, I've given it to you. I've given you something. It's the greatest gift you'll ever get. You ought to say Jesus right now. You ought to speak Jesus right now. And you ought to say the names of your children that are not doing right. And the name of your family that's not doing right. And you ought to say, I speak the name of Jesus. Jesus.